The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Good. No, you don't need anything but yourself and me and stuff. Is this our first one of the year? Uh yes, because we well, is it? I don't remember. I, I don't it's, it's you know I tried to go to Twitter and I wind up in Twitch and Twitch. <laughs> oh don't go to Twitch. It's not worth it. Oh wait. Well, there, it, there, there's nothing streaming today anyway. I I, I, I I did stream very recently. Yes, it is our first one of the year. Hi, everybody, as we decide to talk about things and stuff that don't have anything to do with <laughs> episodes and stuff like that. I'm Joe. This is Scott. We're here for our first episode of the year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and we, we just talk about magic and stuff where we keep it low key as us working working class families do. Yeah. And hey, it's weird because uh, we're not like super stinking tired because it's uh, early morning because it's Martin Luther King Day and we're both off of work. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a little bit more energy today. Yes. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. There might be some energy. <laughs> Dude. So we, we flip the calendar year, right? And there's obviously once the calendar flips, magic's like, here's a new set and here's previews. Here's a box opening and here's art, here's story. Um, but they got eclipsed by something else that's like taking <laughs> news in the gaming space. Holy and, and, oh, oh, and and not only that, not only did it get eclipsed, but uh, they themselves eclipsed themselves, right? It's so, <laughs> it's so meta, it's like, right? Uh, Ryan Reynolds is probably like, How can I write this into Deadpool, right? Yeah, um, but before we get there, uh, what is this about you and the goldfish crew hating Lord of the Rings? What, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't obviously i think we've had this discussion already that i don't i, know. I don't, I don't just, much I'm, care for it i'm mostly apparently, teasing apparently seth doesn't care for it and apparently crim doesn't like it apparently tomer's like the only one but um i know that uh tomer suggested doing a watch through of the to as a like kind of like watch party kind of thing with fans or whatever to like you know get ready for the you know release of the set this year and i'm like only if we get to riff tracks on it like right the only way i would i could watch it and not comment because i do that naturally with most things uh like i just kind of we like if we watch something and we've seen it before like we just kind of poke fun at it anyways sure uh and even last night watching uh even though we were so last night was the the premiere of The Last of Us on HBO, and um, even though we've uh, you know we're seeing it for the first time or whatever, we still kind of made little quips and stuff throughout the first episode, even though we were like goosebumpy because we've played the game so much that we know kind of what's going to happen. But even knowing what's going to happen, it still didn't like lessen any of the emotional impact of the first episode or anything like that. It was still pretty uh pretty intense and pretty nuts. Uh, fucking Pedro Pascal, man. But just, uh, yeah, dude. Let's just give Pedro there. Pascal every fucking role ever. That dude just right. kills it in everything he's ever been in. Uh, yeah. And I mean, did you see the um? Is that movie he did with that movie he did with Nick Cage? Um, is the um the one that where Nick Cage plays Nick Cage? Oh no! Uh, yeah. So so yeah, he did this movie with Nick Cage called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and basically uh, Nick Cage plays plays himself. 
and he's hired to go make an appearance at um this uh wealthy billionaire's uh birthday party okay in, in uh like spain <laughs> like he's hired to fly to spain to go you know be a part of this guy's birthday party and of course the guy whose birthday party he's being part of is played by pedro pascal Nice. And it's just absolutely hilarious. Like there is literally a whole scene where they are in, a, in an attempt to get inspiration for um, for making a movie that uh, Pedro Pascal's character wants to make. So he wants to write a movie script for Nick Cage to start in to star in huh. one of like his life goals. And he's like, um, he's like, he's like, he hands him like uh, like a dropper bottle. And he's like, what's this? And he goes, ah, oh, it's inspiration. And it's LSD. <laughs> and so they they are just tripping on LSD throughout this entire fucking scene. And they're in this town, this little Spanish town. And mm-hmm. there's these two people that they think are that in their paranoid LSD-infused delusion believe that are following them throughout the town. And they're really not. They're just tourists. But they just they think that they're following them through the entire town. So they like are like action movie running to get away and like there's this whole scene where they're like he's trying to pull him up over a wall and they're crying and and he has to leave him behind or whatever and he'll never forget you man and lands on the other side of the wall it turns out it was just like one of these like half walls where you just walked around the other side oh my goodness and pedro Pascal walks in he goes oh, mr cage he goes it turns out i, I could have just walked around the other side the whole time <laughs> you're just like oh my god <laughs> like this is a movie is just so it's so jacked up and it's such a good movie okay. uh, i watched it on the flight and it was just uh unfortunately i watched the version where because it's on a you know on a flight yeah yeah uh, the version i watched was scrubbed of all of, like the curse words and stuff oh because <laughs> it's one of those it's very 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 uh, there's a lot of a lot of um, curse words a movie with illicit drug use having curse words? No, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite vulgar. Like, it's vulgar enough to have a Red Band trailer. Like, so, like, that's... Speaking of Red Band uh, trailers, didn't, uh, what was it, Evil Dead have a Red Band trailer or something? Yeah, boy, that looks fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I am excited for that. Like, that looks pretty, pretty jacked up. I'm a big Evil, Evil Dead fan, though, so, like, I'm... Uh, it's really, really thrilling to see that that's coming out. I think I'm related to Bruce. And I heard he's from <laughs> Columbus. Oh, that'd be sweet. Um, you know what else had a Red Band trailer? Vox uh, Machina? Yeah. That's uh, coming soon, right? Coming soon. This Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah. The 20, or no, Saturday. This Saturday, the 21st. Nice. Yeah, I think they're doing like three episodes at a time or something like that. Okay, cool. Uh, something like that, but yeah, I think yeah. they did like that last time, right? They did, yeah, they did like three episodes every week or so, and until they were done, and yeah, I'm I'm real excited. I am knee deep into cam- campaign one still. Uh, oh, yeah, I, yeah, you're listening to the the players actually play. You're not right. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the cartoon. Yeah, I'm actually around like episode fifty one or so is what I'm on. So, and that is episode fifty one of. Uh, campaign one is 115 episodes <laughs> so yeah yeah and uh i'm over the hump of the longest episode okay. uh which was episode which was 50 uh 50 was their longest episode and and like they dealt with a lot of really crazy shit in that episode uh, but it's cool and i'm excited to see how they're gonna work in certain characters 
Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see how they're going to work in uh, the guest character, the guest characters, especially because uh, there's always a like a lot of that that shows up every so often. They'll have a couple people come in to guest to be, you know, hey, you know, we're suddenly, you know, you know, we're journeying with this other this other set of characters or whatever that are hanging out with us for a couple episodes or just an episode yeah. or, you know, they had, um, do you, you know, the band Godhead, right? Sounds the, familiar. Uh, God, God, Godhead, uh, was, um, one of those bands where, uh, uh, Marilyn Manson kind of like got these guys, you know, uh, into, you know, kind of being a band because they were, you know, under his wing or whatnot, you know, and they, um, their lead singer, I'm trying to get it, is uh, Jason C. Miller. Uh, oh, I was thinking of the band Godheads, God, which God. was an uh, early 90s, like early, early 90s uh, industrial band. But okay. Yeah, God, I guess no, this band used to be called Blind. And then God, Godhead. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, uh, Jason C. Miller, who is the um, uh, lead singer, one of the sing- uh, lead vocalists, he um is is in part of he joined them for an episode of critical role uh and and he played a, a half orc rogue named garthok uh who was a member of the clasp which is the uh one of the the thieves guilds or of of iman slash taldori like I, I'm looking at a picture of him I can see him playing <laughs> yeah 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 he just kind of looks at it but they have people like like will fucking Friedel like man who has heard of Will Friedel in like literally ages uh other than the fact that he played you know Terry McGinnis Batman's on Batman Beyond and uh Eric Matthews on Boy Meets World everybody oh that's God. how how old i am oh my back hurts with you <laughs> but oh my god he made a he made a uh, an appearance in uh in critical role uh uh, for eight episodes actually uh or he he was on there very early on uh when uh vox machina was bombing around vasselheim and becoming a part of the slayers take which is the um like kind of like the hunters uh kind of like they hunt giant monsters and stuff like that and um but he shows up again uh in this kind of this arc that we're in which is the chroma conclave arc so for the people that don't know that what's coming on sunday is uh so the first season of vox machina was um the whitestone the briarwoods arc that dealt with you know percy and his backstory and all that stuff this next season kind of kicks it up a little bit a, a notch and kind of takes the focus out of um obviously just one particular character and kind of puts the focus on several different characters within vox machina so it kind of he kind of they kind of start tying together threads of various characters throughout the uh, the the party. So you'll see um, Vax will get some some love and some development. Keyleth gets a lot of development. Grog gets a lot of development. Um, Scanlan also gets some development. Like so, there's a lot of character development throughout the course of that. But it's going to kick off with a bang. And uh, of course, that bang. If you've seen the trailers, uh, spoiler: there's dragons. <laughs> like uh, three bangs, right? Four, four. four? Okay. There, are, there's one. There are four, four dragons in the conclave, and it's one of every color, nice. uh, except for the one that they killed already. The blue one, right? Yep, yep. Good old David Tennant is Brimsythe. Right. Uh, yeah. So they they killed him already, and he was part of the the Chroma Conclave. 
so fun fact, uh, the uh, person that they got to play uh, Fordak, who is the Red Dragon, Red Dragon is the one in charge because <laughs> uh, he is he is the Cinder King uh, is they got Lance Reddick. Uh, and I don't know if you know who Lance Reddick is. Uh, he he's been be around. He's been in around in a lot of stuff, but he's done a lot of video games. He looks very familiar. He was on The Wire, um, but uh, his biggest thing that I know him from is because he was in uh, the video game series Horizon. Okay. Uh, also, Horizon and Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, he was one of the characters in that that series. And so that's how I know him. He was also in the the most recently in the Resident Evil series that they did on Netflix. So yeah, he's he's got a very uh very unique and very easy to understand voice. Like you, you hear him and you're like, oh yeah, I know who that guy is. <laughs> like, oh, he was in the nanny. That's probably where I know him from. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's an interesting dude. And so I'm kind of curious how they're gonna do it. But best of all, best of all is the casting of Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin playing the voice of Trinket. <laughs> the voice of Trinket when um, uh, when Vex finally learns to be able to use, speak with animals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and being able to actually talk with Trinket. Cheech Marin, everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. I was just like, oh my god. Wow. <laughs> like, this is just... Uh, and not only that, we get um henry winkler <laughs> henry winkler <laughs> has a cameo in this series this season as uh pike's grandfather wilhand trickfoot uh so that's that's fun <laughs> uh let's see here there's some good ones in here and i'm just like i'm like going through the the thing i'm like uh troy baker gets a couple uh which is kind of cool um mary elizabeth mcglynn uh unfortunately we're probably not going to get to see or hear um one character because they will probably write him out because uh chris hardwick was a asshole uh, <laughs> so yeah uh we will not to get to see a british dragonborn unfortunately well, how um, when, when you're listening to their uh to their play how long on average are the play episodes uh, they're a good two to three hours a piece. Okay. Like, I mean, it's it's pretty. The I mean, uh, you also have to figure factor in that. Um, I also will skip like the through the breaks and stuff because it's on YouTube. Oh sure. Yeah, so I will not watch the breaks or anything like that. Like so, or like once they're done or whatever, if they have something that they're doing after, because like episode fifty on YouTube is like five hours long, right. but a good chunk of that is uh because it was their 50th episode mm-hmm. they did the gameplay and then they had Christmas like right after that Christmas yeah nice. which is when they get stuff from the fans and stuff like that and they open it up on stream and stuff so right. that was basically it like most of the rest of the episode is just that it has nothing to do with the actual gameplay so i didn't bother watching any of that because i don't need to see any of that i just wanted to watch the gameplay right right uh, so well i mean this kind of for those who maybe aren't sure about like how long is a proper D&D session we'll say proper but uh, what's a good length of time for a D&D session you know at least watching these shows should give you a good feel yeah. of ebb and flow two to three hours two, two to three hours probably yeah. four max yeah you know, there's something big going on especially with the group that size so if yeah oh yeah it's even that big 
you know, that, that should kind of help give you an idea. Six people is a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, heck, when I gather with some people to play games, counting myself, there's six people and it can sometimes feel like a lot. Like there, yeah. Yeah. you have six players, right? Yeah, six players plus. Yeah, so you count Matt Mercer. That's, <laughs> even at that point, another another person, the seventh person, the DM, feels like you're adding two or three more people. Yeah, I mean, and in the case of Matt Mercer, you're adding like 300 people because well, well sure, holy shit. all the all the NPC voices. And oh my god, he he is. It's pretty fun to watch him, honestly. Right. Like he really, and I, and I and now I can totally understand. I can understand the Matt Mercer effect, especially, right. and I can understand that people uh, who are new to D and D but have seen Critical Role uh, have this this maybe this unhealthy slightly unhealthy uh view of what a dungeon master should be doing correct you know and how they should you know be uh you know portraying themselves like matt mercer and even matt mercer has acknowledged it and he's even said look uh he goes that's not me he goes he goes that's i'm not that he's like i'm not i don't promote that he goes i i don't think that that's healthy uh, he goes any style of done DMing, you know, dungeon, you know, game mastering, whatever you want to call it, uh, any style of that you want to you want to do is fine. Like you know, be your own, uh, you mm-hmm. know, game master. You know, be your own person in that regard. He goes, you know, and try to tell the best story that you can tell because that's what matters more. And I I I, I love that that's his stance. Like I think he's understands the effect that he has on people. Uh, now I will say this, uh, after, w- after watching it, there are some things I would take away and use in my own games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit, like, I, I think the idea of describing attacks and stuff like that and describing like when you miss, cause that's like, so strange thing they, they, you could just very easily be like, okay, roll your attack. Uh, okay. You miss, you know, and move on. You know, but I like the idea of role-playingly like describing the attack to the player or like if they miss describing what happens when they miss, like, oh, you glance off their armor or something like that, you know, and it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool that gives a little bit more flavor to it. Uh, And then I think the biggest thing that I think I would honestly use in a home game of any sort uh, is the how do you want to do this uh, functionality. Uh, so for people that don't know how have never seen critical role before, don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, this is what happens when, oh, I've rolled enough damage to kill this monster that we are currently in combat with. How do you want to do this? (laughs) How do you want to end this fight? Like, you know, and I think that that's cool. Giving the player a chance to, uh, on the fly, come up with how they end the fight. Uh, and I think that that's, that promotes good role play. Yeah, uh, and I, I like it a lot. So I, I would definitely use that for sure. That's one thing I would use. But yeah, I mean, you could listen to Matt and go, okay, wow, he does like every voice. Yeah, and he does, and he does it perfectly. And <laughs> uh, and even then, there's some episodes where where <laughs> you could realize that he had this whole plan, this whole plan, and they just fucked it up for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, and it's it's so it's great because it's such classic D and D. Like yeah. you could tell. Yeah. You could Plan, tell plans could always get messed up, no matter the, the best laid plans, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like there is, there isn't a whole episode. Um, is as episode forty four where they are uh, trying to, they're going down into this sunken tomb to to acquire 
the um the death walkers ward one of the vestiges of divergence and there's a fight with a beholder and you know matt's pretty well known for loving to use beholders in his games uh he loves beholders because they're so fucked up anybody who's ever played against a beholder is just the most fucked up encounter you could ever possibly come across it's worse than fighting a fucking dragon the 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 one that i fought in uh tomb of annihilation was just annoying because i got at the end of one session uh i got either paralyzed or turned to stone or something so i had to wait a whole week to see if i could get undone oh yeah Yeah, Uh, oh yeah and, and then the only spell uh, left that the party had was like, I, I don't know if it was a polymorph spell or if we were in an area where there's wild magic. Or, I don't know, but something happened where I got unfrozen, but then turned into something. So then another spell had to be used to turn me back uh, into back to normal. So yeah, yeah. thanks Behold- Beholder. Beholders are just absolutely jacked up. Like they yeah, are just some sure. of the, the, the worst monsters that you could ever possibly you know play against because they just they have all these like various abilities and it's literally just like okay well do you make your save or not and it's just like oh god is it and really worst monster or best both both sure. yeah, yeah for a dm it's the best for the players uh i don't know there's a lot to juggle with the dm too but true yeah. but i mean there is a lot but i mean it's one of those monsters it's just it's super iconic for sure Mm-hmm. And I think you should, everybody should play against one at least once just to kind of get that feel of what the fuck. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll play against one at the appropriate level. Yes. Yeah. At the, at the appropriate level. Cause holy shit. And even then at the appropriate level, they're a little, they're very scary. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. They can fly. They can, you know, they have all these abilities, but they turn all your magic on. Oh um, yeah. Well, they, they in can a, turn invisible in a, in that cone. Yeah, yeah, uh, in, in, yeah. That, in that cone. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, so that was the fun part was you know them trying to figure out how to navigate the cone, and of course, like when it came to their saves, they were making their saves like nobody's fucking business True. during that fight. And Matt's just like, man, for a DM that likes to use beholders, you guys, you guys are really ruining your, you guys are making these saving throws too good. <laughs> Like what the hell? Like the only one I think that really, really uh failed their saving throw was one of the NPCs that was with them. Huh, imagine that. Yeah, and it was uh it was Kima. Kima fails her her um save to get pushed by uh the telekinet the telekinesis ray uh and gets knocked into a pit and falls down a pit. And it's like, oh well shit. (laughs) So I wonder, I kind of wonder if they are actually going to do that. So this kind of ties into the whole news this whole past week uh, and whether or not um, there were agreements in place, obviously, with, you know, the showrunners and Critical Role and Wizards of the Coast over the use of a Beholder in the series because uh, because of this whole, because the Beholder is one of those creatures that is not part of the open gaming license right uh yeah very smooth segue right so yeah people who don't understand yeah so everything that's been going on with this whole ogl business uh the open game license is a kind of like a it's a it's a thing that's put out there that allows people to create content using D's mechanics because they can't copyright those mechanics right so public uh what do they call it public copyright license created yeah. back at the dawn of third edition yeah. that allowed uh 
other publishers to create content. And the reason that this was done, we're even going backwards, was in the before before times. We're talking like pre-90s when TSR specifically owned or or solely owned Dungeons & Dragons. Other companies would try and make adventures that players could use their Dungeons & Dragons characters in, and TSR would sue the shit out of it. So uh, they tried to control tabletop role-playing to a, a degree. And this is after Gygax was ousted. Right. After that, so they tried to control it to a degree to where they essentially stifled themselves. Uh, there, there was nothing players could do outside of play, just published material and uh, or official published material. And if it wasn't good enough, no one bought it. And when you stifle the amount of it, it in a way, it's kind of like magic. When a metagame goes stale, because it's like, oh, my choices are these four decks. Right. Um, how things are now in modern. That's a whole other story. Um, when your choices are only these few decks, if you're not competing, if you're just playing for fun or or you're not grinding out to the Pro Tour or whatever, then your interest wanes. And that's kind of what was happening. So when Wizards bought D&D, they're like, all right, we're going to revamp it. Then uh, someone brought up the idea of the open game license. Boom, they did that. And or to make that happen, they create a system reference document, which was essentially here's like some base guidelines as far as rules, character creation, uh, stats, things like that. Yeah. But there are certain things that are specific to D&D, like Beholders. Yeah. And there's like other names. I don't know if Bugbear's one. Bugbear's not. Bugbear's in the OGL. Okay. But but there are certain names of things that you can't use. Like if you wanted to call Beholder um, a death sphere or something. Right. Like it, it has to be named something that does not tie immediately back to D&D. Right, right. Because uh, it would be considered common material. Right. So uh, what, what is happening is that Watsi with uh, their, huh, great, uh, we could find a way to cater all the people that are uh, mad at us because uh, their game isn't coming out the way they want. So we're going to sell them a new thing, but we're not going to call it 6th edition we're going to call it quote one D and D. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, one D and D only really ties in minorly to the OGL 1.1 business. Right. Well, they, no matter, they, they, no, ha- they have to update anyway with this quote new edition. Right. No matter what uh, they were going to call this, this new thing, there was going to be some sort of uh, update to the one to one to the OGL. Right. The, the big upset is the fact that uh, the OGL itself got leaked. Uh, and there's a lot of there was a lot of verbiage in it that actively attacked uh, third party content creators. Um, yeah, like the biggest being the fact that you know, hey, if you made this much money a year, it was like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, right. You owed Wizards royalties of like twenty five percent or something like that, and twenty percent if you got funded on Kickstarter, I think something because, like that. Yeah, 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 and then also stuff like. Um, you know, oh, if you, you know, make something, it has to be logged with wizards. Uh, and for any reason whatsoever, they could just, you know, take take your shit. And... Right. That That's the part that, like, the 750K, I'm like, all right, sure. That, wizard, that... Wizards wants their cut. Like, I can get that. That That's fair. At least that's a point of negotiation. But right. when they're like, okay, cool. Uh, hey, Joe, you made this uh, red wizard villain for your adventure or whatever. Uh, we're now going to take that and put that in something completely unrelated. And it's like, well, that wouldn't be fair to him. Like, fuck that. You know, th- like, 
something like that. If you were to, uh, with, with a published adventure, uh, they take something you made that's specific in that, and then Wizards takes it and puts it in their own published adventure. Right. So it's like, mm, no, how about we don't do that? Yeah. That, that, for me, that was my breaking point. And then I'm like, let me get the popcorn ready because it's going to get worse. And Oh, it, it did. I mean, so uh, it was one of the other things that also kind of came out was people who were on the inside kind of leaking information and say, hey, you know, they're they're really looking at, you know, things like, you know, D&D Beyond subscriptions and stuff like that. And some people were like, start fucking canceling my subscriptions. Send them a fucking message to their, their bottom line. Wizards of the Coast did the one thing that has just never happened in the history of uh, the tabletop RPG space is they managed to utterly unite all of the TTRPG community in one unifying voice against them. <laughs> yeah. And like it was you, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you take a bunch of people who, for some, have been playing tabletop RPGs for 50 years, trying to fight against the monster that's trying to kill them. And it turns out Wizards was the monster. <laughs> Wizards, was, to kill them. Wizards was the real oh. monster, was Wizards all along. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I get it that they're, they're wanting to find a way to make more revenue from dungeons. Yeah. And they're, they're wanting to make it a lifestyle brand. So obviously, a lot of people are like, okay, there's going to be some type of online presence greater than DD Beyond. Okay. We get that. We don't need to play it if we don't have to. There'll be t shirts and bags and hoodies. And the, okay, great. No, it's going to be this. They're trying to make money off the people that are making money off the, the actual need for published adventures. And what's crazy to kind of look at this from a Wizards of the Coast perspective, D&D perspective, because you and I are a Magic Gathering podcast, and we've been at this for almost an hour, not really talked about Magic Gathering. Um, that's how big all this is. Uh, when Magic does something that upsets the community, it's too late. The horse has already left the barn. The yeah. card's already printed. It's already impacting formats. The only thing we can hope for is a ban. Right. I, I could thumb out tweets until my hands bleed, until my fingers dry so much that they were a Twitter account. Ben Shapiro would follow them. Like, I could do that, and it's not going to change a damn thing. With this, because the uh, open the updated OGL hasn't been launched yet, the entire community could rally against it and be the the little boy hoarding the dam back and pushing it to make sure it never happened. Yeah. And that, that is so that, that paradox between the, the two main IPs of Wizards of the Coast is just, it's, it's something I don't think a lot of people understand, especially on either side, uh, especially magic, so much people that are lemmings, except whatever card is being printed. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's absolutely crazy how all this in 16 days, yeah, uh, in the, into the New York New Year has dwarfed damn near every discussion, every YouTube recommendation video. Right, uh, it, it's insane. And you know, w- to go back to your point that you brought up about the 750K, I think there's even a clause in there based on lawyers reading and translating into normal English that wizards could take that 750K and eh, bring it down to 500K right. or 250. Yeah. Right. And, and, and get even more money. And it's right. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, and I, to, from Wizards' perspective, as far as wanting to get more money, again, I get it because when you look at DD, for those who have not played, the person who primarily buys product from Wizards for Dungeon Dragon, 80% of the time is the dungeon. They're getting the minis and the maps and all the books. And that, you know, all player has to buy 
is the player's handbook. And even through D&D Beyond, if someone's got a subscription, they can just share that information with them. So the player doesn't even buy it. Yeah. Except maybe a D&D Beyond subscription, which, by the way, I think rumor had it that Wizards was locking out people from unsubscribing yeah. to prevent unsubscriptions from happening. Like, yeah. There and then, was, I, what, and then I saw... 100k lost subscriptions in a yeah. day or something? And then, and then I saw something that uh, some people said, hey, be sure to keep checking your wallet because uh, even though they canceled, it still charged them. Uh, so, yeah, not yeah. surprised. Not surprised. And it, it's one of those things. Okay, so to kind of go back a little bit, uh, the other big thing about all this, and I, so if they were like, hey, we're working on this new OGL and it's going to include a, uh, you know, a royalty thing for, you know, the top end content creator, like the people that are making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Sure, you know, you know, I don't think anybody would have been upset with that. Just right. that, just that. But it was that plus all the other stuff, plus the fact that they were like, "Hey, as soon as we release this, we're deauthorizing the old group." Right. So, and... like, if uh, what Path- Pathfinder one point Just think, Pathfinder was born from the out open of, game license, no, out of the open game license. Yeah, yeah. When when Wizards of the Coast was like, "Uh, well." We kind of put out too many books for 3.5 and broke the game. So we're going to reboot the fourth edition because this thing called World of Warcraft we're going to try and compete with. Uh, good, good luck, by the way. Um, so, and, uh, and so, then, so, so Pathfinder was created because people still wanted to play in the style of 3.0.3.5. And it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say jokingly, but it's kind of like uh, referred to as 3.75 as far as Pathfinder went. And then uh, from that, they've spawned in the now second edition. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, so somebody said to me, and I actually kind of agree with it, uh, is that, um, it, you know, everyone compares 4E to MMOs like World of Warcraft or whatever. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it actually feels like it's more closer to an SRPG like Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem. Yeah, actually, yes. By yeah, yeah. from the yeah. time I played for you, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. So, I but, actually kind of liked for you as far as the play style. Some it people just, did. Some people there, did. Yeah. yeah where so. to, for me, where it failed right away was there wasn't enough content out there uh, as far as published content to really right. get into it. And yeah, I'm like, no, I'll just I'll go home play World of Warcraft. And well, so, history. so so shout out so shout out to to Pathfinder. Uh, Pathfinder has been like Paizo has been getting all sorts of love throughout this whole thing, yeah. Uh, and Pathfinder especially, and the Pathfinder community has been like, "Hey, you're coming from D and D five E, and you're coming to Pathfinder. You're gonna have questions. Let us help you." Like, right. and like that's fantastic. First of all, that the Pathfinder community has just been like, "Open arms, fam. Come on in. Like, we'll we'll help you." Right. And um, I I had started work. I've been working on some stuff for a potential home game uh, that I'm going to try and kind of start wrangling together this year. As soon as I've got like a big core of stuff to work off of. Um, Obviously for those that don't realize game mastering is, is, is literally like one of the hardest things to do. Like it's easy to show up and sit down and play. It's a lot harder to game master because you just have to like fucking, you know, (laughs) do do everything for your your game. There's so much prep work that you have to yeah that you have to do but even before you prep for the first session if you're running a pre-published module and and this is how uh ruben has always uh, explained it uh mox ruby on twitter and card match right for those who don't know uh the pre-published adventures are just a story so right. you're just reading a book 
uh, and, and you're telling that story based on how players play and where they navigate in that story. But if you're doing something like you're building your own world, there's so much more involved. Oh, yeah. And, and then you have to get to a point where it's like, all right, my brain cannot hold in more. And then compartmentalize all that and break it down into chapters or regions or whatever you want to do right. and then present to the players. That's a lot of work. It is, uh, yeah. And, and you also have to be very creative, too. So, like, there's all sorts of things that are involved in it. It's not just sitting down, setting up a DM screen and making sure people have snacks. No, I, I, like, I, have, more- I have brained up so much of, of this. Like, it's just not even funny. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot that I've put down for this, but when I first started doing it, I was just like, yeah, this could be D and D fifth edition. And this was before all this stuff started happening. Right. And, yeah. And then you I, started I, this like late December, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, like there's a guy in our, our, the magic Mike's discord who really likes Pathfinder. And I was just like, I'll give this Pathfinder stuff a look and for the second edition. And honestly, I really like it. Like, I love how uh, the system works. Uh, what I one thing I really love about Pathfinder, especially mm-hmm. in this the second edition, is I actually really enjoy how combat works. Uh, and I really enjoy how combat is uh, there are options to the player that are better than just I run up and hit that would hit it with my sword, right? Uh, and I, I really like that because in um. In Pathfinder, your uh, combat actions are split. You get three actions. It's a it's a three action economy. And yeah, you could use all three of those actions to attack. But if you do that, your second and third attacks get a get a penalty. You know, based on you know, so you get a minus five penalty on your second attack. You get a minus ten penalty on your third attack. Uh, so you could attack. You know, three times, and sometimes that's correct. You know, just because you know it's you know that if you're gonna even with the penalty, you might roll well enough to finish the to hit and finish the game, finish the encounter. Right. If you're near the end of the encounter, but at the same time, like it opens up options for you to use different kinds of actions during combat, uh, stuff like tripping, tripping, grappling, uh, demoralize. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, try and intimidate your opponent into you know fleeing or you know. Uh, making a mistake with their next attack or right. you know that sort of stuff and I, I i really like that concept of the way the oh. combat works and the way the action economy works with pathfinder um because man when, when i'm watching critical role and i guess they're playing you know D 5e and i'm sitting there going wow man you get to take a lot of fucking actions during combat it's crazy how much you get to do during combat in 5e uh like wild <laughs> oh. like i mean that it's cool that all this, like all the output from the companies and from the people who actually create content, whether it's on YouTube, whether they're uh, actual third-party publishers, that's been awesome. It, it's it's the right amount as far as the mix of anger and support, right? Uh, it's not just hand-wringing. It's not just concerns. It's not just all caps tweets or whatever, right? There's still a big chunk of people who are just players who are like... Uh, pitchfork and torches and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa yes they will be impacted way later than everybody else like there's enough content out there published content that players could play till the heat death of the universe before they need something. oh sure so let, but... let's, like let, let, let's be plus on top of that the players th- those who are least impacted just with really anything as far as uh how people can get upset on social media they'll be the ones to lash out incorrectly so when we see stuff like Critical Role do a show or anybody else who has a show, 
out there. That stuff may have been recorded prior to all this hubbubaloo about the open games. And there may be things that they can't say or change or do yet because, like you said earlier, certain agreements. And I, a lot of this is kind of, we're on the back end of all this now because Wizards has finally come out and quote-unquote apologized. It was, yeah, it was yeah. real bad. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I've had some bad apologies in my life, but this one... This was, was you know, bad. we had... Oh, we'll, well, you know, you'll hear people say that they won and they're right. They won, but we won too. We won too. Like, no, you didn't. Fam. No, no, you didn't. You really kind of lost, but uh, yeah. Uh, especially and, when uh, Paizo is trying to make an open RPG license. I love it. I love the name uh, of it. It's the it, open RPG creative license, otherwise it, known as the orc. The orc. Yeah. I and love it. It's going to be uh, a nonprofit ran uh, system. And they're working so, with uh, people like Green Ronin mm-hmm. Publishing, Cobalt Press. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, kudos to them. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Legendary Games is yep. involved in it as well. Rogue Genius Games is involved in it. Like, just yeah. Yeah, kudos to them for. There, there are a lot of public. There are a lot of non-Palladium, uh, non-Watsy publishers out there. The reason I say Palladium is because they they have their own thing with Rifts. Right. That is still out there. I can still find books for it paperback books on the shelf and i'm like i haven't seen this in 25 years and, <laughs> and it's still a thing not only that like they um because of the people that were uh, that are involved in paizo yeah uh, a lot of the people that were involved in paizo were there when the ogl was created yep and not only that they have on retainer the actual lawyer who drafted the original OGL. Yeah. So like, they're like, they were like pretty much to the point where they were like, look, like I don't, we, we hope that it doesn't come to this, but we are ready to fight this in court. If we have to, you know, and, and you it's know like, you've wow. messed up when like big name people in a community come out and speak out against something bad. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Cordell, I, I believe on Twitter came out and was like, huh, I kind of just had like a one sentence tweet. But it was just so powerful that it's like, wow, you got the attention of like one of the guys who wrote pre-published the first pre-published adventures for D&D when they made 3.0. You get his attention to, to tweet something. Yeah, it's like, holy cow. And, and here, yeah. here's the other crazy thing, right? So we have a written document that and in a way how the open gaming license initially was written was a promise to not overwrite this or, or Tasha's cauldron of everything this uh, into whatever the, the new open game license was going to be. It was supposed to remain this. That way, if people wanted to uh, uh, create even 3.0 content still, they could still do that with the original open gaming license. Like, for instance, uh, LucasArts uh, game Knights of the Old Republic, uh, that's out, or even just Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO that's out there. Yeah, it's all kind of based on the open game license. So, uh, yeah, they would have to shut down if this was revoked. Uh, that ain't going to happen. Wow. So yeah. you have this thing that is a written document, a written document that is through lawyers' eyes, essentially a promise, and Wizards was wanting to revoke that. But then we have a nearly 30-year-old verbal, quote-unquote, promise to not reprint cards that they won't revoke. Yeah, there is that. Like, what, what, what are we doing, Wizards? Like, there's one of these you could choose to, quote, revoke that will make you a literal shit ton of money. No, let's go ahead and fuck with the one that, that that's written and piss off literally right. millions of people around the world. And then, <laughs> then on top of that, you ready for this? 
then put out toys, excuse me, action figures of not only the D&D cartoon from the 80s, uh, but also the upcoming movie and expect it to sell and promote the movie that's coming. And next year have a new addition uh, right. up to and including a virtual tabletop so people that can't gather in person because of where they live can still find a way to play. And and, and all this is the big celebration of D&D's 50th anniversary and have people feel that they are welcomed in the celebration and that the celebration is for everybody and not just certain people and let yeah let's do that and see how that works at gen con next yeah year. sure good luck yeah so um one of the things that's worth noting too is we we talked a lot about critical role too and critical oh. did respond to this they did uh, they did and honestly um their responses about what i expected they responded um, what they could or how yes they yeah because it, it obviously it's probably clear that they have some agreements with wizards uh, and whatnot and can't, you know, say too much. But I do believe that at the end of the day, um, Matt Mercer was probably in their DMs being like, what the fuck, guys? Uh, yeah. Well, not only that, but I, they, I, they came from Pan- from Pathfinder. They did. And, yeah. And Matt Mercer is going to be the voice of Minsk in the once it's finally done and not just in uh, free game content, uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is is I I, I do think that um I do think that Matt especially because I uh, people have noticed that yeah while Matt's been kind of quiet on Twitter uh he's been liking a lot of the tweets from a lot of the people in support of the open D and D and like the you know um like the hashtag that's been going around that's uh you know D and D be gone and uh, open D and D and stuff like that and so I think that it's clear that like the people of critical probably you know. They they support what's going on because they they support creators and Matt's always been that about that he's always been about supporting creators but at the same time like their public statement has to be something that's kind of you know we support what's going on but at the same time we don't you know if we aren't going to say too much because uh, right. and, and and there's going to be two sides of people there there's going to be two people that are going to be like well yeah that's about what we expected and honestly we really appreciate it because this is the people in the industry and the content side of things are going to go thank you. Right. Yeah. The people on the outside who are rabid critters are going to go, what the fuck? Why aren't you guys, why aren't you guys, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Why aren't you getting yeah. so mad and canceling why, your contracts? Why aren't, you, why aren't you rioting? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, they can't really do that. Yeah. Like, yeah they expect them to stop and disconnect. They, and, they have, and they have people that. that are paid. They have, you know, yeah. they are a full on company now. It has gone from, being just a stream with friends every week yes. to a full-on comp, comp content production, you know, with they, a company, they have people that are hired that they're, that are just doing their job day to day. An animated cartoon came from this that also created jobs to create that content for us to watch. Yeah. So anybody out there, any any freaking troll out there wanting them to join them in the destruction of Wizards of the Coast. Uh, sh- shut up! It ain't gonna happen. Shut up. It's stop. just not. It's just Delete not gonna happen. Yeah, really. it's like, stupid. It's stupid. But yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I it was about what I expected, and sure. uh, I think it's fine. Like, and, I, and it's uh, not over. Like, no, that none of this is over. Uh, um, and what what's crazy is that it got so far that uh, a, a call from the inside uh, pretty much told the world. That, and this is right when the uh, subscription started, people just started canceling their D&D beyond subscription, that 
Wizards of the Coast doesn't care about the customer. No. They only care about the bottom line. And yeah. that anyone complaining about what they're doing is in the way of them achieving the, their financial goal. Yeah. And so people are like, bye. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they definitely did. Yeah. I, I as much of a uh, old school Gen X cynic that I am, I've known this forever. Uh, and to me, it was kind of honed in with the release of my all time favorite Magic the Gathering set, which I won't name because I beat it to death here on this podcast ad nauseum for well over almost two. And, you know, here we are. Here we are. Like you can track all this progress post pandemic or really regress up to this point. And it's like, what, what are you all doing? We just want you to make games that we all enjoy and love. We'll, we'll be willing to give you our money. Just stop doing it in, in a guise or in a way where you only want to right. only care about us because of money. Because if that's the case, we will go do something else. From when 3.0 was launched to now, here, here's a fun fact for you. When 3.0 launched, YouTube did not exist. There was so much, there's so much other content out there. I think Netflix was delivering uh, DVDs to your mailbox. <laughs> um, like, the, the world has changed so much since 3.0 was launched. Hell, I mean, uh, even go back 10 years in Magic. The, the landscape of Magic has changed as far as how we interact with the game. Arena wasn't a thing. Uh, that was kind of like the, the beginning of near the peak of Star City Games coverage. Now look at it. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're scraping for some type of event to where there's coverage or a bigger cash prize or something more than playing. And, you know, in one fell swoop in, in the span of less than 30 days, we, we've seen Wizards take uh, a casual gaming format in Dungeons & Dragons, try to make it more competitive or organized, and the community blow up against it, while at the same time, they took their competitive organized game and have slowly over the years made it more casual. They're, yeah. they're, they're taking their two things and doing opposite things with them instead of just focusing on what players enjoy and make. Right. I mean, just okay, sir. I bought this, so currently yeah. holding up the core rulebook for Pathfinder Second Edition. Right, uh, and it, it's I, crazy because Pathfinder was going to change, uh, do an update or something to just cave into Five E and and have their stuff be essentially compatible with OGL Five E. Yeah, and, uh, just... and I'm I'm sure the breaks have been. Uh, pump, held pump, on that pump, pumped on that yeah, yeah. so honestly I, I i like i like the system a lot i really sure. like how uh their second edition system works uh i think the thing i like about it the most uh is the um the way uh ancestries and stuff like that work i think that mm -hmm. that's really super cool uh like it's definitely worth looking into if you're looking for a system of some sort to like play a game with there's a lot of upfront like there's gonna be some like especially if like you play with anybody that comes from 5e uh in fact actually i think uh archives of nethys is getting hit hard this morning <laughs> dear god people are just like probably hitting this site like nobody's business oh, yeah. uh but there's a there's a website out there called uh archives of nethys that is uh, basically a big old database of all this Pathfinder second edition content stuff. So you can look up a lot of this stuff online that are in these books at the same time, uh, which is kind of nice uh, yeah. as, as like a quick reference. Like you can go, okay, uh, I need to look up real quick, you know, this thing, you just pull up Archives of Nethys and go type it in and look it up. So 
uh, or I, I need to look at this monster stats, you know, go to that monster on archives of Nethys. There it is. Like they've got all the ancestries listed on there and what you could play, you know, and from the various, um, various different uh, things. The other thing I really like in, in terms of like the classes that are available. Mm. So in Pathfinder second edition, Paladin is not a class, sort of. There's no Paladin class. There's Champion. That's a class. And underneath Champion, you have a whole bunch of different uh, sub things that attach to Champion. One of those right. is Pal. One of those is Paladin. Huh. It's based on what you are. So you can be a Paladin underneath the Champion class, or you could be like a Justicar underneath. You know, there's differences. You know, you could still play a Paladin-like class in pathfinder but you don't have to specifically be a paladin like you could be like uh let's see what are the the sites being really slow <laughs> well i, I mean that that kind of makes more sense like well recently in um i get the book right here <laughs> i'm like what am i doing i've got the book right, right, book right here right there uh so you could do um you could be a paladin you could be a redeemer like if you're neutral good you could be uh a liberator um like which is like chaotic good uh so um there's also rules in there for anti-paladins and tyrants underneath champion uh right so yeah you can there's lots of stuff you can do but it's not specifically it's not specifically a paladin class uh and and i kind of like that idea because um you know paladin obviously is one of those things where it has a lot of baggage associated with it uh, mm-hmm. And so you could play a specific kind of paladin, but not have to play the paladin that's always goody 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 goody. Well, right, which they've been trying to do that with uh, with D and D, especially with four E. I think they even may have tried it like late three five, but with four uh, E and now five E, where they're trying to make the paladin not not tied to a deity so much, right? Not tied to uh, always being lawful good. It, it in a way I kind of look at it as like a divine warlock. Right. Where yeah. Instead of making a pact, you you declare an oath. Right. Uh, or you yeah. break your oath. Yeah. Um, and that and that's what it is. It's like there's a, the, yeah you have like uh, oaths and you have you know you have an oath and there's an antithesis uh, to that mm-hmm. you know that describes when you're when you break when you're breaking that. So yeah, it's it's cool. I I think that that's neat. Uh, there are obviously going to be uh because they came from because of Pathfinder kind of being where um critical role came from uh one of the books that they published in uh pathfinder second edition uh probably clearly inspired by uh vox machina and critical role is uh the guns and gears uh supplement and there is a gunslinger uh uh, uh class that's available so hmm. uh which is kind of fun i'm like hmm that seems seems cool like you play a gunslinger uh like they they took artificer and uh, artificer's inventor uh because i think artificer's not ogl right uh so warlock is not ogl at least i don't think it is uh it might be now i'm, I'm not 100 sure no, i don't um, know but one thing that uh if you're looking for new ways to play your tabletop rpg rules system or whatever uh you know, I recommend going to Drive Through RPG. Uh, yeah, there's tons of stuff on there. You can I, as a lot of the stuff you can just get as PDFs. Uh, so you buy it and boom, it's right there on your computer. Or you can buy actual uh, paper copies of stuff that may be available. So 
And also another thing that I think people also don't understand is you don't have to buy the new stuff. If you're happy playing the game system that you're playing, great. Continue to play it. If you're playing second edition Dungeons and Dragons and Mm -hmm. none of this impacts you, great. Have a blast. Uh, You know, that's one thing that I think that the Cynthia Williams of the world, uh, the D&D side of one, don't understand. is just because you put out a new book, there should not be an expectation that all players pick it up and play it. That was one of the problems with those in Adventure League that didn't like that system. Like they, sure, they may want like organized play or whatever, but it just felt like they had to play the new book. And between when, between when Descent for Avernus and whatever the next book came out, you had to find other stuff to do that was Adventure League approved content. You couldn't craft a story more. Right, so you, right. You could, it, it just, you were more restricted. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're playing second edition Spelljammer and your group is having a blast, go ham. Right. If you're, if you're playing Mutants and Mastermind, go nuts. I if you're, I did not you're like playing uh, the the Champions system, uh, go ham. I don't think that's D and D related anyway. It's a completely different system. I, uh, as far as I, uh, but, yeah, did not right. did not utterly care for Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, like they they try to compete in the the space that channel. Yeah, it's just it's it's also the fact that like we we superhero RPGs are we tried we tried it once and the guy that was running the game was like, oh my god, why didn't you guys min max every little thing and blah 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 and Um, we're like uh, and of course we like didn't do too well and like the very first encounter and he's like, this is how encounters are built in this game and you got to min max every little I'm like. Or you could just be a good game master and not do that, not, like, not kill everybody. Or right, that, that's like, the other come thing on. That I think a lot of uh, up and coming game because there's a lack of DM, and yeah, this well, whole OGL thing has made a lot. Of work. And nobody um, wants to do it because people are because it's hard, right? Um, like they don't. There, there's. I understand the feelings of I don't want to piss off my friends by killing their character. Well, you're playing a game. Suck it up. Yeah, it's gonna um, happen. Yeah, right. Uh, there's also been so much change to various uh, lore of fantasy races and how just depictions of art uh, that make people feel uncomfortable. Why are they changing this? Because the people in my group are okay with how this was. Why are we changing it? Why, why are we doing this? And now it's bringing up conversations that, in a way, when people sit down to play a game, get away from, don't want to be a part of during the game session. Right. Like, there, there needs to be something in the game for the players to fight. If you take away, for instance, if your characters are heroes and they're trying to end slave trade in the country, but then you take away the group uh, that is caught, that is they're the slavers, if you take that part of their backstory away because it makes those not at that table feel comfortable and you make that the rule across the board for everybody, well, now the 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 people that want to be heroes like them, in my opinion, totally fine. Yeah, you want to end something that bad. Well, now the DM has to create all that on their own or use older content instead of just like, you know, I don't like that this is in the book. I'm going to ignore it for my table. But everybody else who wants to fight against this or have this in their world, go ham. You know, it's just all these type of changes just make people like, eh, you know, I, I kind of want to do that because it, it's putting me in in a situation where I have to now bring real world into this when people are trying to escape. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, I, I don't, I think it's fine to shy. I think you can shy away from stuff that's got some roots in real world uh, yeah, scenarios absolutely. without and, having. And, and those people upset at that, they're not wrong for being upset. I get that, but when you want your views on it, you want everybody else to align with your views. It's like, mm, yes, in real world, absolutely, you are one hundred percent correct. We're playing the game. Yeah, sure, but I mean, you don't have to. You don't necessarily have to have that in your story to create a compelling story either. Correct. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like you, if it's already it's, part of that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. That's that's up to individual groups and right. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I don't. You know, and again, I don't mind that. That's not that's not in there by default. Like that, right. Subject matter, especially when you start getting into like subject matter where it's a little bit more closer to real world. Uh, yeah, there, there's than, stuff that does take it too far. You are yeah, correct. Yeah, like, I, I think I think that that's fine that it there's some work that would have to be done by the DM in that regards, uh, simply because that's something that you have to have a conversation with your players about as to whether or not they're comfortable with that kind of thing. Because yep. there's there's a lot of mature uh, you know functionality where if you're playing with a group that can handle that you know then great but if you're not then you know stick to just playing with you know fighting dragons and stuff (laughs) and that that's that's the thing that i've noticed not just this year not even last year but like for the last five years where it just seems to be this slow degradation to all right you have your heroes and you're fighting a monster well no what if i want to fight uh evil cultists that are trying to summon a demon what if i want to have a a uh, situation where maybe the bad guys are right, that there is something else going on that they're trying to prevent from happening uh, by supplanting current power and putting themselves in power. Thanos you know, was right. The, the, right. Uh, Magneto <laughs> was right, all that stuff. Yeah, those type of things where, you know, you wash that out of the game because there are players out there uncomfortable with real-world-isms in the game. I think it's fine for that stuff to not be part of what wizards puts out in their content okay i will say that i think it's fine for them to not include things that are really too close to real world-ish stuff right but what it does is it washes everything down to just heroes and monsters and nothing well what i what i mean is is i think it's fine for wizards to not not do that i i think that they are okay in not doing that i think it's if somebody wants to create third-party content that allows that kind of stuff to exist that is also fine because that's going to be up to the individual group to consume that content but having it part of the base game doesn't make much sense to me no i i get that and and you are making my points sound a lot better than i'm doing so yeah um, i i think it's i think it's fine say say you know if you know somebody says, "Hey, I have a supplement that I put together that talks about this this country that is you know slaving or whatever, you know, right. and this is a, a supplement for you know parties that are capable, you know, p- play play groups that are capable of dealing with this kind of real world you know situation." Right. We don't even have to go that far. Like, let's just look at things right now. Why would a group of adventurers want to fight against the Red Wizards? Based on everything we know that. D on the inside has done to kind of wash things down to just heroes and monsters why like what what's the what's the driving force behind players to go against uh clerics of bane or whatever right 
Like we don't even have to get to the point of slavery. Like why fight, why fight the drought anymore? Like what is there, there, what is there left on what meat is left on the bone? I think that that stuff stuff I haven't seen like any like actual, like, uh, you know, lessening of, you know, threats in a world like the, um, like Bane and the, um, like the red wizards or anything. I'm pretty sure that there's, there's still bad guys. Uh, right, and, 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 bad guys by default, or because they put evil on their uh, alignment section on the character sheet, which that's probably going away too with the new additions alignment. But like, uh, uh Bane, Ball, and Merkel, uh, have when AO recreated the tablets of fate, uh, Bane, Ball, Merkel didn't leave to not the blind eternities, or whatever, but didn't leave to the to be away from the world to not meddle in mortal affairs. So AO depowered him to uh, quasi-deities. Oh, yeah, sure. They still have enough power to grant spells to their worshippers because they're trying to meddle in mortal affairs. Um, so it's like, great, you've made like one of the most powerful tyrants ever in fiction no more than just a sub I mean, that's, that's just a byproduct of, of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, everything... Things do have to change sometimes. So, oh, no, I, I get uh, that. It's just that when I saw that, that seemed to be the beginning of we're washing everything down to just players finding a monster. At the end. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Um, like, and, and especially with the drow thing, yeah. uh, that is having read. So I, I'm I'm current now on all of the um, the Legend of Drist. Okay, cool. So that is something that obviously, yeah, that is something obviously that sort of has some addressing or whatnot in terms of the last like two trilogies worth of books. Sure. Uh, So right now, uh, the most recent one um, was is um, not Starlight Enclave. It's uh, Glacier's Edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's worth noting that, uh, yes, there's a lot going on in uh in the, the underdark in the drow city uh and it's not that these drow are necessarily good per se but they're realizing uh that at some point in their history uh they were tricked by by loth uh, into you know her worship you know because you know that's what loth does you know she she tricks people and so they're on the verge of an imminent civil war you know, with, you know, other houses, you know, within the the city, simply because one of the, the, the primary house of the city, uh, Banera, is like, look, like, we know the truth, uh, you know, we know that that's what Loft did to us, uh, and we're not going to do that anymore. We're not, it's not that we're not going to be evil anymore, it's that we, we're not going to follow her anymore because she fucking betrayed us uh and it was she she tricked us into you know being her thralls essentially and we're not we're just not going to play her fucking games anymore right. um, but well, at let's... the same the same time they're going to be like hey you're an outsider into our world we're probably still going to attack you and well, you know sh- sure i mean there there is still that territorial aspect it adds it. it adds a lot more it, ad- it it adds a lot more gray aspect mm-hmm. to it which is more realistic uh, for a uh, a set of characters than it than the black and white uh you know always evil you know always bad you know kind of thing uh and it adds a little bit more uh gray 
to it, uh, which is right. And part, you was fine. It's it's fine. Right, and you can have gray with a cleric of bane or a red wizard or the helm, uh, an orc tribe. Uh, you know, you can have like you can even have evil elves or uh, like like say a player character's elf there. Uh, their tribe or their home village, maybe they're doing something that they're learning about later through the adventure. But like how you describe that whole thing with the drow, if that would have been described by wizard, not R.A. Salvatore, but by wizards, I think all that would have blown over and we wouldn't hear too many grognos. Yeah, well, I, but, I think I think that he was heavily involved in that too, like well, I, I, in terms of... Well, sure, per, but per, wizards didn't present it that way, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. Like, but that's kind of how it's kind of gone, right? Uh, but, it, but that there, there are grognards who don't know what you just said. Well, obviously, and because they, right, right, they but that they don't read shit, Scott. Well, I know, but <laughs> the expectation that everybody should be reading R.A. Salvatore's books. Don't get me wrong, everybody. No, should. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but like they're just right. But if you only have that content there to properly describe why there's this change, that's a problem. And this is where Wizards has failed. And it just it, it keeps going. And this is where we are now. It's all part of the chain leading up to now. And you know, it just it, it's a mess. And that it's overall part of why there are so few DMs, because there's so much work involved. They need to find a way to make it for DMs to onboard into a game to properly prepare and learn the ins and outs and learn to cut the fat because like what you're doing right now with your world building, reading up on Pathfinder or second edition, there's a ton of stuff. Oh yeah. To go through. And if you didn't have that help from our fellow discord member uh, over in magic mics, uh, you'd probably be lost in the sauce a little bit, a decision paralysis. And uh, that, not, not as much as the average person, but there, there would probably still be some, but you know, it's actually that, been pretty easy to pick up on. Okay. Pathfinder has been. Well, well good. So, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is that's not the case for everybody. And yeah, you know, if you want more DMs, make it easier for them to onboard. Try and get them to understand that uh, it's okay to be the bad guy. It's okay to do stuff if the tape if the table can handle it. Like there are certain things I will not touch ever. Well, uh, right. And uh, I won't even broach the subject because I'm like. I already know this is a no before I even ask, right? Right. Um, but that's also being a reasonable human being. It's not, uh, it's not, well, this is a hard and fast rule across the entirety of the universe. No, right. Like, you know, yeah. and, and, and that that's where there, there needs to be some agency put back in the DM uh, on top of making sure that we're all playing a game, understanding that we're just playing a game and going forward. And yeah, to go back to your mutants and masterminds thing, and we've talked a ton about TTRPGs, which is cool because it kind of gives us a break from all the hand-wringing about Magic Gathering. Um, you know, we also need to learn how to make sure we're not killing them. Like, if the monster crits and you're all level one and it's the first fight, you know, how's that going to feel that you have a downed adventure on their first adventure? That, that's probably not a good look. That's probably not going to be a good night. Yeah. You, you might want to do something to where you do a lot of damage and maybe give them disadvantage on their next attack or something until they're they're healed because maybe their arm is severely hurt or something to uh, place the, the severity of the attack and the results of that on that, place that severity there, but not completely 
knock that person out of the game. It's kind of like, in a way, playing commander and everybody jumps on one person. It's like, all right, cool. The person we don't want here is gone and the three of us can play the game the rest of the night. No, that's that's no fun for everybody except for the three people being assholes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I could, I could literally talk about this all day. By the way, check out Dungeon Craft on YouTube. Has a lot of excellent DM tips on how to try and simplify things from pep preparation character sheets which i think is character sheet too simplified but it's our story and all sorts of stuff great great content i watched it a lot during the <laughs> uh anyway yeah. so anyways yeah, yeah uh, do, we, do we want to talk about magic stuff <laughs> nah, no because we could talk about that later once like actually like phyrexia stuff is like all out yeah there's a new uh, set coming uh there's a oh speaking of phyrexia i just noticed that there's a commander print which I assume is like an in-store uh, gathering of players to play Commander. Yeah, I think so. And there's like special rules. Uh, if you look up Commander Party, magic.gg uh, slash commander dash party, uh, I, I will throw the show, the Joe and her put in the show notes or whatever for those audio listeners watching on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I had to get that joke in now, man. Come on. Yeah, uh, there a while. There is a unique prize for all participants in the next Commander Party, which takes place March 10th through 12th. So we'll probably mention this as we get closer. They will take home a unique Norns Annex in Phyrexian language. Yeah. Uh, hey, I think the only thing that's cool about current magic that's worth mentioning yeah. is that as part of the lore and world building that they've done for this new Phyrexia set, they literally released an article that has a alphabetized alphabet uh for the Phyrexian language yeah I, uh, which is super cool i see now that man i knew i forgot something i was going to go find that and say welcome to the astrolab podcast in yeah. Phyrexian. good luck with that uh, i know right uh that, that might require too much brain power too um, much brain power yeah so there there's some stuff coming up like we'll a preview starts this week yes tomorrow tomorrow on uh yeah uh yeah. magic uh and mtg weekly i think yeah it is, on yeah. their twitch channel uh there have been a lot of cards leaked uh there are some cards previewed by the official uh twitter magic space uh, yeah. as the story has progressed um i love the art in this set yeah, it looks the art in this set is pretty, pretty, pretty spot on. But yeah, um, obvi obviously, yeah, there's been some leaks, and uh, it wouldn't be a Phyrexia set without some sort of leak. Uh, <laughs> like, leak and lubricant. Uh, no, I, I mean just in general, because you know, going back to New Phyrexia, uh, That's when true. when the God Book was leaked out, uh, you know, it's just that's guess what? It's a Phyrexia set. Guess what? You should probably expect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's sad to say that, but yeah, that's just what happens. And in this case, it was, uh, it sounded like it had something to do with, uh, somebody was opening up a Dominaria remastered product and there was all their, like their, where their retro frame stuff would have been, I guess. Is with, with rares. Rares. Yeah. So all and, we get to see was all, rares. all the rares have been revealed by now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so there's a meme right now on the Magic Mice Discord that's cracking up. It's Nahiri saying, Hello, Kabuto from Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. My, my poor girl. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, good old Nahiri got herself oiled. 
But how, yeah. how is she hanging out with the hero planeswalkers anyway? She's a villain. Sort See, of? This, this is back to what I was talking about with D&D. Like, can, can we have a proper human-looking villain for once? She... Holy crap. I, I don't necessarily see Nahiri as a villain. I see Nahiri... She brought the spaghetti monster to to uh, Horrorland and destroyed it. I think I think I see Nahiri more as pissed off girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> like she doesn't well, seem she doesn't seem that she was too young for Soren anyway. She yeah oh well yeah I mean everybody's too young for Soren but um I I just I don't see her as a uh, bad guy but I do see her as um didn't she also want to unite the core to have them dominate in the car. Uh, she wanted uh, to use the Lithiform core to fix Zendikar. Uh, well, what, right, but fix only in her image where the core are the dominant. She, well, yeah, she, she really didn't understand what she was doing. Uh, and she didn't understand the core well enough as like Nyssa did. Uh, and so Nyssa understood the core better than she did. But I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't see I don't I don't I've never fully gotten bad guy vibes from uh, Nahiri. It's always been like misguided, uh, kind of not understanding of what's happening and very true to her her color pair, you know, uh, yeah. because because Nahiri, you know, red being the, you know, kind of the color mm. of passion and, oh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, you know, she's just not. She's jumping the gun. She's not thinking about things. And honestly, that's showed through in the story for New Phyrexia so far is, you know, that she's similar way. She's jumping the gun and she's not thinking, you know, things through. She's not strategizing. And of course, that's proved to be deadly for her. And, and it seems like, uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Planeswalkers in the current story, Elspeth is like the reluctant hero. Kind of, uh, yeah. In, in a way. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm I'm hoping for some more uh, uh, more cool reprints because we've had uh, in recent years we've had Liliana the Veil. Vale. Uh, we're getting Frexian Obliterator, right? Frexian Arena. Uh, yeah, that's what we're having uh, Frexian Arena. Um, there's talk that maybe we're getting our confidant. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the rumor. Which I looking at what Bob does, I could totally see him being a mythic. Especially being a chase mythic, it would have to be a mythic. Yeah, for uh, li- for limited purposes too. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 Oh cool. I draft dark confidant. I'm drafting all the low cost. Right. At, at rare, like. Um, yeah, they couldn't do that. Yeah. So plus they moved Tarmogoy from rare to mythic when they were reprinting Tarmogoy, so it makes sense to move Bob. On well, Bob too. Bob was mythic in the modern master sets that he was reprinted in. Oh as well. yeah, that's true. So yeah, so. They, yeah, no reason to move his rarity not, um, a, not at all not for a standard set especially but yeah it is nice to see that they're wanting to take a chance to get back to in my opinion what made standard great back about 10 years ago uh i understand people are upset about thought is being brought back from standard but holy crap it dropped the price dramatically uh and opened up powerful play options but when things are data mined and min max to where it's like all right, Pack Rat Thoughtseize, uh, Splash Green for Replicate, here's my deck for the next two years. You know, that that's not the fault on Wizards. That's the fault on the community, just pigeonholing all that. Like, yep, this is the best deck, only deck. You can't play anything else. If you do, you shouldn't be playing with us. Yeah, that that's just kind of the bad vibes that, that happened. As I understand it, Standard's actually been pretty good. Yeah, I, I've yeah. heard that. It's just not well-attended. 
Um, well, it's not it's not for me, but I've I've heard sure. that it's actually been pretty pretty good. Actually, yeah. from what I've I keep hearing is that this has been one of the better standards uh, in quite some time. I'm in the uh, process of cleaning out my deck queue in uh, Magic Arena and just kind of starting over, uh, building decks, uh, freshening things up a little bit. And I may build a couple standard decks and go at it and see what happens. Because, man, just having having cards I already know and I know are powerful and trying them in standard with all these new crazy designs post-fire and all that stuff, Sure, I, I just I want to see what what I can come up with, but it also requires time. Which, as we know, even trying to create a world or DM a game, we have very little of that too. Yeah, I mean, most of that's been uh, on the side, uh, yeah. you know. But I, I've been I've been busy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, like yeah, but, uh, uh, life life happens, right? Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> So, all right. Well, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping up. Um, yeah. So. Th- thanks, D&D, for uh, taking over our podcast. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> it was fun to talk about, honestly. And I, yeah, I'm. You know, it, it is nice to talk about things that are just not magic. I, I'm I'm going to be very frank here, uh, not to be confused with naming me, but mm. sometimes just talking about magic nonstop in a way it's kind of exhausting it's nice to talk about tv shows and other games that we play and others it, it's kind of like a palate cleanser right and kind of kind of re uh revives the the old thought processes so we hope you enjoyed it uh and I, i'm glad that we were able to connect here this morning on holiday uh, happy martin luther king jr day everybody yeah um but yeah uh let's do this again and hey next time we'll actually have new cards to talk about so we can kind of keep the excitement thing going i don't think they'll they'll break it i don't think so not not especially from the leaks that we've seen of the rares uh it doesn't seem like there's anything to we obviously we aren't going to name like a lot of specific cards or anything like that but there's there's nothing really super broken quick google Uh, search you can find yeah i can probably still find the videos of the guy opening up the the box probably cards Probably, and, and, and we haven't even seen commons and uncommons yet. Come on, man, leak one time. Uh, pioneer. Yeah, I uh, there's I'm always in the common and common train. So, um, anyways, uh, so yeah, Scott, let's start by having you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet, oh. and we'll go from there. Oh God, I forgot we do this part. <laughs> um, you can find me at MTG Pack Boils on Twitter. Um, no, I, I've not done a lot recently. There's been some upheaval uh, on personal, uh, but uh, I'm currently being distracted by playoff football. So there's that, and that went pretty well last night. Uh, that's kind of why I forgot that we were recording earlier this morning. <laughs> uh, however, uh, this past weekend, there was a legacy event or legacy events uh, out at SCG Con. Uh, New Jersey, I think it was. Yeah, it was New Jersey. Uh, and if you want to read up about uh, what's happening in Legacy, uh, Joe does a lot of that. Where can people find your work, Joe? Uh, so you can find me at Twitter at VolrathXP. You can find my articles uh, throughout the week on MTG Goldfish. Uh, this week's probably going to be a little, like, a, probably at least a day late than my normal for Legacy because um, there's an, yet another issue with um, Deckless being published on uh, MTGO's side of things. Uh, and I've already uh, hit Daybreak up about it in their Discord. 
uh, to kind of say, hey, you know, Declas didn't publish again over the weekend. Can you guys take a look? And they're they're pretty usually pretty quick about fixing it. So I feel like that they've got some sort of issue that they need to like research a little bit more. Uh, but you know, it's getting fixed. So I'm I'm not too stunningly worried about it. And then also like this weekend was the um the showcase challenge on Magic Online for Legacy, and we're still missing some data uh for that. So uh that's also part of what'll probably delay things a little bit is waiting to see how much data we can get off of that event before I start really digging into my article. But uh so yeah, there's that. Um Buffalo Chicken Up Legacy is coming up uh, yeah. in uh, March. Uh, BCDL 11. Uh, it is sold out. Nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I will be, should be there. Uh, so, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to play yet. Uh, cards. Cards, yeah. I, I mean, I actually do have the idea of what I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, whether or not, like... Yeah, I, I do I do have the idea what I'm going to play. I have an idea what I would like to play just as like a fun thing, but at the same time, I probably should play the correct thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, because Rob's events tend to be a little bit more competitive than uh, people would think. Uh, and so, uh, c- congrats, Rob, on getting that sold out. Good yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Like, uh, especially since what happened with the last one where we kind of like had to like fudge with pricing to make to make it go. Uh, but then like that last one was like December, you know, people were not probably really thinking about wanting to play legacy right. at the time. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, um, the SCG con, uh, in, uh, Jersey had like 169 players. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and of course we got to see kind of a picture of a largest paper event, uh, that has occurred since, the advent of um, things since Eternal Weekend, and uh, especially since uh, Eternal Weekend didn't have as much of a solved, close to solved metagame as kind of we're kind of inching towards. Uh, so there was, you know, quite a bit of um, the White Initiative and quite a bit of Delver uh, at, at SCG Con. And uh, it was, uh, it, it doesn't look pretty. I will say that. Uh, well, that'll be something we can talk about next time, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. So, anyways, uh, thank you, everybody, and uh, let's have a great week, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Roll for initiative. Uh, fucking Luca. <laughs>